what a joy it is every time we come together and uh you know, I think I, I was just I was just on my. Uh, sometimes you just need to look into your archives. You know how on social media things come up. Ten years ago, you posted this. Five years ago, some of us don't want to see what was posted five years ago, uh, and stuff stuff comes up. And so something I posted seven years ago, it, it says, uh, and the post was, "When you open your Bible, God opens His mouth." And so every time we come around the Word of God, God is speaking, God is talking, God is instructing, God is guiding. Uh, God is pointing, God is directing, and that is exactly what God is about to do this morning and what God's already been doing this morning. If people have been on this platform bringing the Word to us, He's been speaking to us in a powerful way. Do you believe that? Yeah. We kicked off a series last week on the wilderness, and I called it, Why Wilderness? And the whole thought process of that, of that series was literally just from, just as I was doing something, this thought came into my mind, on the children of Israel. The children of Israel were in captivity for 400 years. How many of you think that's a long time? 400 years they were in captivity and God sends this leader, this savior, this deliverer called Moses and Moses goes to them and literally God gives them a promise and the promise is I'm about to take you into the promised land. I'm about to take you into the promised land. And, and, and so we would say, okay, so these people are in captivity. God says to them, uh, point A, in captivity, point B, Moses is, is, is their leader, appointed leader with the promise of being taken to the promised land. Point C would be, yes, they're being transported to where? Promised land, right? Well, that's not what happens. They come out of captivity and are in the wilderness. And we started talking about this idea called the wilderness. And uh, we established that, yes, in Scripture, a lot of time it was actual physical places. But today in this day and age, for those of us that are followers of Jesus and have a faith in Him, experience wilderness-like season. Not physically, not literally, but emotionally, internally, and sometimes even spiritually. And last week, we tried to define what this feels like and why this happens. And I want to build further on that premise. And we spoke about what is the wilderness. The wilderness is a place where you feel like God is a million miles away. It's where you feel like God is far, the place where you sense a lack of God's tangible presence. Now notice I use the word a lack of God's tangible presence because God's presence is always there. We have scripture that instructs us that his presence will never leave us nor forsake us. Yet we've all had seasons where we feel the overwhelming sense of God. And there are times when we're just like, God, where are you? Why, why aren't you moving in my life? Or why aren't you speaking to me in the way you did three years ago or 10 years ago or seven years ago? Why is it? It's also a season, the wilderness is also a season where we feel like the promises of God. How many of you have ever received a promise from God? The promises of God feel like they are so far away. In fact, it feels like you're walking further away from the promises of God. And I know there were many that came to me at the end of the service last week and through the course of last week telling me how much that message resonated with them because so many have felt like they're walking or living or, or going through a wilderness. The third characteristics of being in a wilderness is when you feel forgotten. It feels like, you know, 10 years ago or five years ago, everybody was your friend and you were remembered and seemed like your world was full. But suddenly you feel a bit 
forgotten. Like no one's ringing me on my birthday, you know. No one's, no one's there. No one's remembering anything. I just feel a bit under the radar. What's happening? You, my friend, are going through the wilderness. And we need to understand this because sometimes the form of Christianity, especially uh, in some of our circles, can be this thing of when you're going through a season like that, you think it's from the devil. But last week we spent some time recognizing that it's not the, the devil that took them into the wilderness, but it was God who took them into the wilderness. And it was part of the process of defining and developing what he needed to develop in them. To really establish this, I want to quickly look at the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Jesus, the most perfect being, blameless. And in Luke chapter 3, he's reached the age of 30 and he is revealing himself or being rather revealed to the world. He was born with a promise that was given to his mother and at 30, it's the, it's the revealing. It's sort, of like, it's sort of like when people say, the new iPhone's coming or the new car's coming. It's a big reveal and that's happening in, 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 at the age of 30. And in Luke chapter three, the way God does his revealing is by Jesus being baptized. Do you know the story that I'm talking about? In Luke chapter three, verse 21, it says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he was praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. How many of you read that and go, man, that's a good day right there. That's a great, I mean, it's good when you get assurance from an older brother, from an uncle, from a dad. But when, you, when God pauses heaven and swings wide open, angels are singing and God says, this is my Beloved son in his baritone Morgan Freeman voice. I mean, you know it's going to be a great day. <laughs> you know it's all happening, right? This is the setup. That's when Jesus ought to be turning to the best web developer saying, put out the website, put out the social media. We are getting this gig on the road starting in Jerusalem. All the way from Jerusalem and ending it in Rome. You know what I'm saying? This is the launching pad of Jesus' ministry. He was given a promise and now the promise has been announced. In our culture, when this, a moment like this happens, this means we are ready. You're ready. I'm so ready. I'm set. It's happening. And then we read, I mean, this is the most interesting part because I was reading this the other, just yesterday, Luke chapter 3, 21. We're not going to read, we're not going to put it up on the screen. But you've got Luke chapter 3, 21, 22, this big announcement. And then all of a sudden, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, Luke starts talking about the genealogy of Jesus. And, and Luke is the perfect doctor because Luke is a doctor and it's almost like he was writing this portion of the scripture and says, oh, wait a minute, I missed that portion of the genealogy and Jesus was a son of this and he was related to this and he was this. And so really, we're not gonna read that, but then we're gonna read Luke chapter four, verse one. So Luke chapter three, this has happened. So what would you think would be the next thing that should happen? Having had such a big setup, having the, the moment where, it's not just Jesus who heard it or John the Baptist who heard it, but the others around him that heard it because somebody, the fact that Luke wrote it means somebody heard it, right? Others heard it. What would you assume would be the next thing? Like Jesus is invited. Jesus' inbox is full. Jesus' videos have gone from one click 
to one million click? Like, what would you assume, right? Let's find out. Luke chapter four, verse one. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from, the, from Jordan and was what? Led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So you get all this elevation, you get all this promotion, you get all this advertisement, you get all this approval, even heaven's backing you, heaven's giving you a blank check and then leads you to the wilderness. And I want to encourage you this morning because some of you feel that way. You feel like God has given you a word of incredible clarity and focus and promise and big dreams and big vision, but yet you feel like you are in the wilderness and you feel like you've missed it. Perhaps that word, that promise was the beginning point of this wilderness journey that we need to take as part of the process of God defining and creating depth in us to do His greatest purpose in your life. See, it was not the enemy that led Jesus into the wilderness. It was the Holy Spirit that led him into the wilderness. And so many of you have been praying prayers that God refuses to answer because you've been saying, God, change the weather. I wish I had climate control on this destiny dream that I have. There's too much scorpions here. I don't want to be in the wilderness. The devil is a liar. And God is like, the devil is not, yes, he is, but he's not lying at the moment. I've actually allowed this climate change. I've allowed this weather change. I've put you in the wilderness. And some of you have been praying, dream, pray, praying prayers of God, changing something when God said, I have set the menu today. Some of the things that we've been praying against perhaps might be things that God has asked for. The wilderness is on the menu. What does this happen? The reason why this happens is because God always has a promise. One of the things that happens to any person that discovers Jesus, and, 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 and this is actually a test. If you don't have this, this is probably something you must pursue. Any person that has what I call a genuine, authentic faith always is given a promise. I remember the first time I received a promise, it was when I was 14 years old. A 14-year-old had no idea that we serve a God who has great dreams and great destinies for us. But I remember as I was reading my Bible one day, there was a promise that erupted in my soul. And I think there's every person in this room who's a follower of Jesus has some kind of a promise. Now we're going to talk about what that looks like, but so many times God always begins a journey called faith with a promise. The reason God does that is because God, a promise awakens our destiny. See, when, when, you, when you are given a promise, when a promise comes within, there's something that uh, you, your, your, your spiritual pupils get dilated. You, you, you get into this, you, have a, you get a taste in your palate that you never had before because it's like there's something that's birthed on the inside and you cannot explain it, but it's a promise. Why is God doing that? He's awakening destiny. But, but, but that promise and that destiny requires a development process. It's a development of my faith and it's a development of my character. And the requirement for that is a journey through the wilderness. And this morning we're going to dive primarily into the life of a guy called Joseph. What I love about the wilderness series is I can pick any, almost every, any character that God used greatly in Scripture and show you the wilderness journey that he, they've been through. And we're going to aim this morning on the life of Joseph. I don't have too, many too much time to go through every scripture. 
But if, but if you want to have some light reading, Genesis 37 to 49, you will see the life of Joseph. Joseph was born into the household of Jacob. Jacob uh, was considered, the, considered Israel the real birth of the nation of Israel, had 12, 12 sons from where we have the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob, Joseph was one of them. And Joseph was, was, was born in this family that was quite wealthy already. It was not like Jacob was living on charity or anything like that. He, they were quite wealthy. They were quite established. And, and Joseph is one of the youngest boys growing in that home. And Joseph begins to have a dream. It's a God-given dream. But in that dream, he sees his brothers bowing down to him. And it's sort of like, and so one day he just says, I see a dream. And everyone's like, I want to hear your dream. And, oh, I see you bowing down to me. It's like, not a, not a great day when someone comes to you and says, this is what I see you do. And his dad was like, it's okay, it's okay. Joseph's just growing. Maybe just let it be. The next day, Joseph wakes up and he says, I see a dream. And Jacob's, his dad's excited. He's like, tell me about the dream. He's like, I see you bowing down to me. Okay, son, <laughs> you're doing the dishes for the next seven weeks, <laughs> you know. So, so, so Joseph, and these were God-given dream, dreams, but Joseph had a problem. He had two problems, actually. He did not know how to handle the dream that God had given him, and he had a problem with bragging about it. So he'd go places and do this. And, you know, we've met, we've met those people, and we've probably been that kind of a person at one point. You know, Monday Jesus told me this, and Tuesday Jesus said that. And then I see me on an airplane, Parcel, when it's not any kind of airplane. It was a private jet uh, <laughs> with Bishop Musaka in it. I mean, it was amazing. You know, all these great dreams that we have, and we go around bragging about it. But Joseph is not just a bragger, but he was also what you, the Bible says, an informer. Not the good kind of informer, but he just was in everybody else's business, always talking about somebody else. Hey, this is what they did. This is what she did. This is what, you know, almost borderline gossiper. And so Joseph had some character issues and God was like, I've chosen him, I've selected him. Why God? Because I've just have. Here's the amazing part. God chooses you despite of you. That's clapping moment right there. God chooses you despite of you. God chooses you despite of your pride. God chooses you despite of your issues with that thing. God chooses you despite of your addiction issues. God chooses you, but then he puts you on a pathway called the wilderness to deal with that. So don't worry too much about the stuff you're dealing with. He'll fix it on the way. And so, and so God puts, God says, we got to do something. And so what happens is God says, we need to deal with him. And the way God allows this to happen is his brothers get, get tired, they're frustrated, they're annoyed. And they said, let's get rid of this guy. In fact, they even contemplated killing him. And they were like, let's see how far these dreams come about. And then finally they said, no, it's going to be a waste. So let's not even, I mean, it's a bad day when people contemplate a sell, uh, to, to kill you and they think you're worth, unworthy to be killed and choose to sell you. And so they sell the guy into slavery. And one thing leads to another and one thing leads from there. But I want to backtrack. I feel like I've gone too quickly, too soon into the story. But I want to quickly talk about a promise because before we talk about the wilderness, we need to establish what is a promise and what quantifies as a promise. Because I do believe that people here have a promise, but if you don't, I want to earnestly uh, encourage you to get a promise from God because God has a promise over your life. But what quantifies as a promise? These are five things I ask myself and I'd encourage you to ask yourself if you feel you've been given a promise from God. Number one. Does the promise that God has given me, does the dream that God has given me line up with Scripture? 
does it line up with scripture? So if you see, you know, if someone's walking down and God says, God says, that's your wife. And you're like, thank you, Jesus, that's my wife. The only problem is she's been married to somebody else for 15 years and that's probably not from God, all right? So, so, so does it line up with the word of God? Does it line up with scripture? Does it line up with the order of heaven? Does it line up with the principles of God? Does this line up with the word of God? That's the first thing. The second, uh, the second way to understand is, is this promise bigger than me? Is this promise bigger than me? If, you, if, your, if your promise from God is so quantifiable, so easy to calculate, so workable, you know when they, when, they, when, they, when they try to get you the thing called a portfolio, you know, this is how much your credit rating is and over 20 years, 30 years, they start showing you all the spreadsheets. It's so easy, you're gonna do this in 20 years. If you have a spreadsheet when it comes to your promises, it's probably not from God. It cannot be quantified. It it's borderline impossible. Who am I kidding? It is impossible. I mean, firstly, he's chosen you to do it through and you know your flaws. You know where the scars are. So it is impossible. That's, 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 let's not even bounce about it. Let's not even sort of sit on the fence about it. He's chosen me. He's chosen you. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than you. You know, we look at it. Nehemiah's building project. Nehemiah was assigned by God to do this building project in the worst of times when he had all sorts of persecution and he had to make his allies his friends and his friends his allies of his all over the place because when God puts a promise in you, it's bigger than you. Think about David's ascension to the throne when God calls David and says, you're about to be the king. It was not just David that got himself to the kingdom. There was Samuel, there was Nathan, there was Joab, there was all these people. Along the way, there was Jonathan in the mix. People beyond you, people that are led by the Spirit of God, not by a spirit of manipulation, not by a spirit of control, but by the Spirit of God that come alongside with you and say, hey, this is bigger than you, this is bigger than me. Let's see the fulfillment of this promise. And I've come to realize that whenever I've been given a promise, if I can do it in my own strength, it's probably me. But when I cannot do it in my own strength, it's probably God. The third thing that I ask is, has the promise been confirmed by others? It's good for you to have a promise, but I found in the nature of God is constantly that his promises are confirmed. Through and through, you know, people will come along the way and say, hey, I see this and I see that and I see this and Promises confirmed. And the number of times we see this in Scripture, we see this in the book of Acts, where Paul was beginning to have this church planting dream in him. But the concept of church planting, I do not know if you know this fun fact, the concept of church planting until Paul stepped into it was still not an unknown idea. It was still a confusing idea. But Paul began to have this idea of, of church planting and, and, and the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for a greater work. And, and, and they begin to fast. And so the Holy Spirit will speak to the people around you. I remember when I first started preaching or even before I ever started preaching, I actually never wanted to preach. I was scared of talking on a platform to people and I was running away from it. I began to have numerous dreams and and, and, and then people just started saying, hey, when you talk, I feel like listening. When you talk, it felt like the room was engaging, really? You know, I, I'd lead like worship for 45 minutes and talk for two minutes and people would talk more about the two minutes than the 45 minutes. And it was sort of like, what are you doing here, God? There's a confirmation that comes along the way. Recently, I had an experience where there was this promise that began to come up inside of me a few months ago. And I held it to myself. 
And I felt, no, 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 I, I, I'm not sure which way to go about this. And I was at a place, I was in a meeting in Adelaide, and in a moment, in a moment, there was a man of God just pointed me out, said, this, 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 literally read my mail, read the promise out from within me. There's a confirmation that comes. Number four is, is this promise gonna bless others or is it just gonna bless me? So many times I meet people of past help and God's given me a promise. Let me hear about your promise. Well, I saw myself on a, in a, in a, in a five-star hotel. I saw myself in a lounge and I saw myself, you know, doing this and awesome. That's amazing. Uh, what else? Well, I saw myself having one million followers on Twitter. I saw my, okay, can we talk about not just yourself? Can we talk about the wider body? Just no, don't look too wide, just to the person next to you. And so many times, the promises that we might carry is just promises about ourselves. Now, it's good to have a dream. It's good to have some drive. It's good to have some vision. There's nothing wrong with that. But most likely, they're just your own personal enthusiasm about yourself. And that's great to have. It's good to have some purpose. But it may not be a promise from God. God did not choose Moses for the sake of Moses. God chose Moses because he, chose, he loved Israel. God did not choose David for the sake of David. God chose David because he loved Israel. Are you seeing the commonality? God loves people, hence why God chose you. That's why God chose you, because he loves the people around you. So when you have a dream from God, when you have a promise from God, when you have something that's come within you, it's because God is saying, I'm seeing and hearing the cries of my people, and I'm putting this thing inside of you and blessing you with that because you're going to set up that school. You're going to set up that ministry. You're going to set up that charity. You're going to set up the thing that's going to be a blessing to the people around you. The last but not least is, you know you have had a promise from God when it has been tested. The promises of God. I've had ideas in my life that I thought were God. And the moment I went through my first test, very soon it wasn't a God idea anymore. Oh, it's too difficult, I'm not gonna do it. But there are other times when I have had an idea, but it was a God idea. It was a promise from God. It was a prophetic promise. And I've got test number one and test number two and challenge number three and obstacle number four and, you know, red tape number five and, you know, hurdle number seven and before you know oppression number 72. But as that is happening, I'm getting stronger and stronger in believing, knowing that God's word has spoken in Jesus' name. And so we've got the story of of Joseph. Joseph is been given this dream, this promise like many of you, but yet gets thrown into slavery. Now we gotta, I, I, we gotta take a moment and talk about the kind of slavery he's thrown into because we have this idea that, oh, Joseph is, you know, thrown into slavery. He was just like the PA of like some rich loaded person. You know, pick the kids from daycare, you know, clean the car, take it, through, take, it through, take it through the car wash and get Starbucks on the way. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not the kind of slavery that Joseph into. You must understand this. Back in those times, when they put you into slavery, you had to abandon your family name. You were saying no to your bloodline. So from that given moment, whoever Joseph married needed to be a slave or would become a slave. All of Joseph's kids would be a slave. So in a moment, even his generational connection had to be completely divorced, separated from him. 
So when Joseph is thrown into slavery, that is what is going through his head. He's going, how is this going to even happen? I was a free man. I know I'm not royalty as such, but I was a free man. But now for generations, I'm going to be a slave. I'm considered a slave in a foreign land. There will be places I can never enter, conversations with people I can never have. That is the whole understanding. The setback was incredible, church. Just put him into this place of slavery. And so we find that Joseph, Joseph now finds himself, I think it's Genesis 42, he finds himself in Potiphar's home. Potiphar was a highly influential person in the land of Egypt, close to the king of the land, close to Pharaoh. Joseph is young and handsome. And, and Potiphar's wife begins to seduce the guy, saying, you're my slave, I can utilize you for whatever purposes and I need some personal purposes satisfied. And Joseph says, no, I don't want any part of that. See, you got to understand, if God has given you a promise, there'll be testings and temptations that'll come your way. And Joseph says, no, 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 every single day. Finally, I mean, you read that portion of Scripture, you might almost think, oh man, if Joseph would have gave in, things could have probably gone better. But he says no, and then gets falsely accused of rape. So now you've gone from being a slave to now being falsely accused of a heinous crime that's considered so dangerous, that is considered worth death, but they say, let's not kill the guy, let's embarrass him, let's make a spectacle of him, throws him into a dungeon. The dungeon of those days, the prisons of those days were not like, you know, I think I said this last week, maybe I didn't, maybe I said it in a conversation, but if you were to compare the prisons, I mean, it's, it's, it's bad for anybody to go into a prison, to a correctional facility. But if you were to do a comparison between today and then, it, the prisons of today are like country clubs. You actually have some rights. You actually can, you know, put some, you know, these are my choices or some, some things of that, of that kind. There was none of that in Joseph's prison. It was horrible. And here, 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 in, here he is in, his, in, in the prison and, and being tormented, saying, how far away am I from the dream? He's in the very belly of this season I call the wilderness. From a slave to being sold, to being falsely accused, to be thrown in the, in the pit, to be thrown in the dungeon. And then in the, in the prison, I'm giving you the paraphrased version of the story. It's a beautiful story. In the prison, he meets somebody and they have a dream again. And so he starts interpreting that dream and, you know, they move on and he's forgotten again. Remember I said the third value of being in the wilderness is you get forgotten. It's like I thought somebody would do something for me. No, forgotten. And then suddenly a year or so later somebody remembers and in a moment God establishes him. And that's what I want to prophesy over people in this room where you've gone through seasons of being accused. You've gone through seasons of being in betrayal. You've gone through seasons where you've been denied things. You've, you've gone seasons where you've been blessed to so many people around you. You've helped interpret other people's dreams even when you haven't yet walked in yours. But I want to prophesy over you that if you're faithful in the season, there's a new season about to come where God will restore you, redeem you, revive you, rebuild you, and establish you into the things that He has for you in Jesus' name. And I love this story because it's a story of redemption. Because you got to understand that they took his coat away. They took his name away. They took his birthright away. They took his, 
passport away. They took his ID away. They took his any form of resemblance to his kind away. They took his car away. They took his vehicles away. They took his bank accounts away. They took his assets away. But the one thing they cannot take from him and the one thing that they cannot take from you is the word of the Lord that came to you before any of these things happened. The word of the Lord, and I love what it says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I'm ready to perform my word. See, God remembered, God remembered, God remembered his word. God remembered his word, and I believe that that's what happens. You might go through a season in the wilderness where you feel like, what's God doing? What's these tests that I'm going through? What are these trials but there's a place where God will remember that word, the promise that he first gave you. I love what it says in Psalm 105. David is writing this and he's writing about Joseph. Check out what it says. He sent a man before them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in iron. Think about, David is talking about the atrocities that Joseph went through. But check out what it says. Verse 19, I hope it's coming up, but this, this is the magic moment. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. I want to break that down. Until the time that his word, whose word? God's word. God's word. God's word. But you know what? If it's not just God's word, if it's Joseph's word. See, until the time, put your name in there, this word, the word, the dream, the promise came to pass. The word of the Lord will test you. You will go through seasons where this book of, of principles, this book of blessings, this book of promises, will, there's almost a synchronization God will do between your character and your nature and your calling with this word. This word is going to test you, is going to do some things in you to establish you. And when that synchronization begins to happen, God goes, ah, there it is. Now is the time. My word and his word, my word and the word I put in him when he put his faith in me, my word when I put that seed within him, even while he was in his mother's womb, now that word is dormant, now that word is active, now that word is alive, now that word is about to spring forth, that word has been buried in his soul for 14 years, that word has been buried in his soul for 15 years like David, that word has been buried in the wilderness for 40 years like Moses, that word has been buried in the wilderness like in Luke chapter 4 in Jesus. That word has been buried in a tomb called Calvary. That, very, that word has been buried, but there's going to be a time where that word is going to come awaken. There's going to be a time when there's going to be a resurrection. And so my friend, if you're going through the wilderness, see the wilderness is the only place where you have the right climatic conditions to nurture that word. That word. I like what Billy Graham says. He says, mountaintops is where you have the great views, but the valley is where fruit is grown. The valley, the dry lands, the wilderness. And I believe that is where you're at. I want to encourage you that you might go through seasons where you feel like you're tried and tested and forgotten and stripped away from every license, every stepping stone, every credential, every 
paperwork, everything. I mean, in your head, you're like, I could, I could look to 100 if I was at 50, but God's saying, no, I'm taking you to minus 52 before we're going to get to 100. And God does that because that is the setting in which He can nurture. That is the setting in which He can establish. And I want you to know that you are not forgotten this morning, that God remembers you. God remembers the word that He's spoken because His word says, my word shall not return void. And that word that He's spoken is alive, is ready, is active and induced season shall spring forth as we remain faithful to the call and the purposes that God has put before us. I like what it says in James chapter 1 in the message translation. Verse 2, it says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. I like what James says. It says that your, your faith life will show its true colors. So what you may not know is Joseph's journey began with a father that gave him a robe of many colors. And the brothers took that robe and drenched it in the, in the blood of a lamp and said, the robe is dead and the boy is dead. But what the brothers did not know was Joseph had need to go through a season where it was not the robe of many colors that revealed and, 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 and identified who he is, but that he would go through the dungeon and the prison and false accusation and to be forgotten so that his faith of many colors, his word of many colors will be revealed. See, the world can take your robe, but the world cannot take the word of the Lord that's in you. The world can take away your dream, but the world, world cannot take away the prophetic word that's in you. Who am I speaking to this morning that's going through maybe a season that they cannot identify, but yet God is for you. God is with you. You ought to stand up and give God some praise for His goodness and His mercy and His word shall not return void in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you. I'm going to take a moment right now to pray for people. Pray in this room because I know just with looking at your faces, I don't need to even be a prophet to know that some of you are going through dry seasons. Some of you are going through the wilderness. Some of you are going through some deadness. Some of you are going through some of the things that Joseph's been through. But it does not matter, my friend, because I believe that you're exactly where God needs you to be, that He's guiding you. He's navigating with you. He's showing you. He's revealing and He's moving you into where you need to be. So right now, right here in the presence of God, if you're here with every eye closed and you're saying, that works for me. That's where I'm at. That's the things that's happened to me. I'm not sure how it's going to come forth. I'm not sure how it's going to take place. But if that is you and you're saying, that's me, include me in that prayer. If that is you, just lift those hands up high. You're saying, I'm standing in agreement. I'm standing in partnership. Hands going across the room. Father, I pray for every hand, every heart that's lifted up to you this morning. And I just pray in the name of Jesus, that word that you've promised them. For some, it was when they were 14. For some, when they were seven. For some, they when they were 21. For some, it was maybe a few weeks ago. For some, it was last year. Regardless of the timeline, Lord, we commit today as a church. We commit today as a family. And we recognize that the promise that you've given us has a process. And so I pray in the name of Jesus, the same God that began a good work, 
We'll bring it into fulfillment. We'll bring it into fruition. And I pray for every person right here, right now. I thank you, God, for strength and endurance. I thank you, God, for understanding and confidence. I pray for wisdom. I pray, God, that we would not take quick turns to somehow make the promise come to pass quickly. I pray that we would not be tempted like Abraham to birth an Ishmael, but that we will be faithful in this season. That we will know that, God, if you started it, you will finish it. And on the way, you will carry us. And so I just thank you, God, for this time. I declare your blessing over your people. I declare that people can walk in great confidence knowing that you're doing something deep within us. We give you all the glory in your mighty, matchless, precious name. We pray. Everybody say amen.